0: So, we're going to start with um, a little humor. (laughs) Uh, That's always good for the soul, right? So, we're going to watch a video.
1: Your favorite service, introducing Virtual Reality Church. Start by choosing a church building that meets your needs. Tired of the stress of having to choose a Sunday morning outfit Never make a fashion mistake again, because Virtual Reality Church will style you based on your denomination. Not a people person? Select the introvert experience to completely eliminate the welcome team, meet and greet time, connect cards, and that awkward hold hands with the person next to you thing we still do. Next, personalize your morning by choosing the worship experience that you want. Feeling a touch of white guilt? Add a minority worship leader. Custom options even let you tailor the skinniness of your worship leader's (laughs) jeans. Finally, no more having to endure songs that you don't like. With Virtual Reality Church, you're in charge. For the sermon, choose the amount of conviction you like and we'll select a pastor for you. We'll even let you tailor your sermon topics so you'll never have to attend a Vision Sunday or a sermon series on giving. And never worry again about dozing off during the sermon. With Virtual Reality Church, you can sleep as long as you want. Kids being bad in nursery? Who cares? Worried about missing a football game? Enter your favorite team, and we'll provide notifications when the game is starting. Never miss a kickoff again. Want to go for it for prayer? Well, if you selected a Pentecostal service, always stand in front of a mattress. Even connect your social media accounts, and we'll post for you. Get credit for being super spiritual, all from the comfort of your couch. Finally, an option for people asking the question, how can I make Sunday morning even more about me? Virtual Reality Church, the future of church attendance. Tired of having to...
0: Okay, that was pretty funny, but, I mean, there is a thing on the metaverse that's a virtual church, and you can attend, put your little headset on. It's kind of crazy. I mean, if it works, great, but I don't know. I, I wonder how effective that is. But um, So do you remember not so long ago when the world was so worried about our temperatures. If you went to the hospital, your doctor's office, school, work, the airport, they're sticking that thing on your forehead, seeing how hot you are. That sounds weird, but... um, So that's your physical temperature that they're checking because they wanna see if your body's sick, right? So how do we gauge our spiritual temperature? In Revelation, John was given this vision uh, and messages for the seven churches in Asia, and I believe that those messages can apply to our churches today and to us as individuals. Uh, There's a couple things that were not so pleasant that God had to say about the churches. Revelation 3.1 says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. 315 says, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you're a lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. The Amplified Version defines lukewarm as spiritually useless. By these scriptures, we know that lukewarm is a dangerous place to be. So how do we know if we're lukewarm? Well, I made a list that describes a lukewarm person. The lukewarm person believes they're in good standing with God because they believe in him, but their lives don't look that different than an unbeliever. They do all the religious stuff, but their hearts aren't changed and their minds aren't transformed Isaiah twenty-nine thirteen says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. The lukewarm person hasn't surrendered to the will of God. That would be too radical for them. And it probably hasn't even crossed their minds. The lukewarm person has a level of conviction towards sin but it's not enough to flee from sin and so they compromise we have to be careful that we don't fall into this religious trap and think that we're in good standing with God looking good on the outside but having a secret sinful life lukewarm people are comfort seekers content playing it safe Complacent and apathetic in their faith. Lukewarm people don't grow spiritually, they're stagnant. They like their spiritual food in a bottle. The lukewarm person loves sermons titled, You Are Very Powerful. It's Your Time to Shine, the True You, and my favorite, Bless Yourself. These are real sermon titles by a mega church pastor. I didn't listen to the sermons, so they could be good, but I have a feeling there's a lot of ear tickling going on in those sermons. You wouldn't catch a lukewarm person listening to a sermon titled, Hell is Hotter Than You Think. (laughs) They probably don't even believe in hell, and sermons that convict their heart are way too uncomfortable. So I was able to come up with these descriptions because that was the life I lived for a very long time. I'm glad that God didn't give up on me and that his passion for me wasn't equal to my passion for him. The lukewarm person is a danger to themselves. If you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew seven twenty one. Matthew 7:21 Not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, "Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. These people called him Lord, but they didn't do his will. They prophesied, they cast out demons, they performed miracles, but he didn't know them. So they must have thought they were in good standing with God because of their works. I can't imagine how many people will stand before God and say, What do you mean you don't know me? I grew up in the church. I went to an altar call. I went on a mission trip. I gave $10 a month to an orphan. I attended a home group once. I have the Bible app. It will be a terrible day for them. The lukewarm person is a danger to others. One time during my lukewarm life, I invited a coworker to church with me. Uh, she was a young mother, single mother of three kids, and she really needed someone to be there for her. So I brought her to a Saturday night church service with me. After the service was over, I didn't drive her home. I drove her to the bar across the street, where we hung out for the rest of the evening. We weren't even old enough to be at the bar. I was a very poor example of a Christian. I was living with one foot in the world and one foot in the church, I thought that being a Christian was going to church on Sundays and sinning less than other people. At this time in my life, I was 20 years old, recently divorced, and I was very depressed. One night I was in my living room and I remember just crying out to God and just asking him where he was. Was hurting so bad, and I just needed to hear from him. I asked him why he didn't help me. Well, I felt nothing and I heard nothing. The next day was Sunday, and I had no plans to go to church. I was just a tad irritated with God. But my mom called, and she said I needed to go. So I reluctantly went. During worship, the leader said to raise your hands to the Lord. I didn't feel like doing this, but I gave it all I had. I went halfway. (laughs) Not long after this, my hands were pulled into the air and they began waving around. I wasn't doing this. I was in shock. I had never had an encounter with God. All I did was read in the Bible what a judge he was and how, um, you know, I thought I was going to hell all the time, so that's the only sight I saw of God. After worship, the pastor got up to speak. And he walked down the aisle and he pointed at me and he said, God will never leave you or forsake you. This pastor didn't know me. He didn't know my situation. He didn't know that I'd been crying out to God the night before. This day changed my life. I knew that God was real. He heard my cry, and I needed to pursue him. (sighs) Sorry, I knew today was going to be tough. (sighs) There was a huge void in my Christian walk. That void was the Holy Spirit. Not long after this happened at church, I was at a home group, and I asked the question, um, "What is speaking in tongues?" <sighs> Can you mute me for a minute? <laughs> I need to blow my. <laughs> I'm good. All right. So I asked, what is speaking in tongues? And I had been going to a charismatic church, so I should have figured this out, but I was at the bar, I guess. Um, The leader explained it to me and asked if I wanted it. I said, okay. And they began praying over me. As I sat there, it was as if a fire hose from heaven just came down over me, and I began speaking in tongues, and I couldn't stop. I spent the rest of the evening on the floor. I really don't even know what happened the rest of the night with the home group. Um, I was wrecked. So I'd love to say you know the story was happily ever after and I never failed again, but I spent the next year, few years, struggling in my sin, and that fire that I received began to burn out. There's five things I don't want to talk about that put out the fire or the passion for God. We are told in. First Thessalonians, do not quench the Holy Spirit. And another word for quench is to extinguish. The first one is habitual sin. When we're stuck in a pattern of sin, we feel shame and condemnation, regret. We feel unworthy of God's love. And I have felt that separation between God and I when I chose to be disobedient. I knew the right way to go, but I chose to go the other way. The second is offense. So, I, I mean, who isn't offended today, right? You get on Facebook, you can find about 500 people that are offended by something. Um, John Bevere wrote a book called The Bait of Satan. Has anyone read that? Okay, a few. And it's how Satan uses offense as the bait to trap us. The word offense or stumbling block in the Greek is scandalon, and it refers to the trigger part of an animal trap that the bait is put on. So we have this decision to make when we're offended, we're insulted, we're hurt. We can take that bait. And we can become defensive, hold resentment, unforgiveness. Or we can turn the other cheek, so to speak. We can forgive quickly. Don't dwell on it and pray for that person. Proverbs says, it is to a man's glory to overlook an offense. The third one is worldly focused. The world tells us, you live your truth. We aren't supposed to live our truth. We're supposed to live his truth. Two very different things, two different paths. The world has so many distractions that it's very easily to get sidetracked. The world will get you focused on yourself, how you look, how much money you make, how popular you are. It will keep you so busy that you have no time for God. Worldly focus brings discouragement. The news is 99% bad. I'm confident of that. We hear about the worst crimes, how corrupt our government is, the horrors of war, how good is evil, and evil is good now. I'm not even really sure why good news doesn't sell, but it'd be nice if it did. Uh, Hope is definitely diminished um, when we're focused on the world. Number four is trials and suffering. Uh, James 1 2 in the Passion Translation says, My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up in you the power of endurance. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. When I read about the followers of Jesus in the Bible, they seem to be a different breed than what we see in America today. We might call them on fire for the Lord, but it was normal Christianity. They left everything to follow Jesus. They wouldn't sacrifice to other gods or renounce their faith. And because of this, they were stoned to death. They were beheaded, nailed to crosses, eaten by lions in a public arena for everyone to watch. They would be hung on poles, alive, drenched in tar, and then set on fire as a human torch. It can be very difficult to remain passionate for God when everything in your life seems to be falling apart, when people you love are sick or they're dying, and all the prayers you prayed haven't been answered. You're just sick of being sick and tired. And you might wonder if God really cares about your situation. Number five is not fellowshipping with other believers. There are many reasons people don't go to church or a home group. Maybe someone in the church offended them. People aren't perfect, so there is no perfect church. If you've been alive very long, you know that, right? Um, maybe they see people in the church being hypocrites or church leaders in sexual sin maybe they aren't into organized religion or they can't find a church they like some say church is boring i like what isaiah saldivar says that god isn't boring you are (laughs) I'm sure the list could go on, but no matter what the excuse is, we need to be fellowshipping with each other. So with all the fire extinguishers out there, how do we stay passionate for the Lord? We can ask the Lord for the hunger, to know Him more and to put that passion back in our hearts. There was a few years ago that I just felt spiritually dry and dead and I started thinking back to that first encounter I had with God and the passion that I had for him and I wanted that back but I didn't know how to get it back Uh, so I just started praying every night God give me that hunger give me the hunger I didn't even know what else to pray I just wanted that back so bad the prayers worked And I began a whole new journey with the Lord. Another way is to be around others who are on fire for the Lord. They may be hard to find. Other people that are passionate for God help me to stay passionate. I think that's why conferences are so popular. Uh, There's this level of excitement and expectation, right, of what's going to happen. And people are just like, wow, what's he going to do? And they're waiting out in the cold for hours. We don't wait outside of churches. We're like, we barely get there in time. And, you know, there's no expectation of what God's going to do. Another way um, that fires, or to stoke that fire is to remember what Jesus did on the cross for us. Here was this man who was fully God, slaughtered in our place. His back and his legs would have been shredded from flogging. His head pierced with thorns, spikes driven through his wrists and his feet. This was disgraceful. It was humiliating. This was for the worst criminals, not an innocent man. And he did this knowing that a small majority of the world would follow him. Not everyone, just a small majority. I'm sure that many of you have heard of or watched the passion of the Christ. His passion was for us. What he did was for us. So how can we not be passionate for him? They're filming the next movie called Resurrection, and Jim Caviezel, who plays Jesus, said it's going to be the biggest film in history of the world. And it should be, because the resurrection was the greatest event in history. The next is to be in a church or a home group that allows the Holy Spirit to move. When I think about biblical church, I think about that song, people being lowered through the ceiling. Okay, I'd be kind of upset if I'm at my home group and someone cut a hole in my roof, but there's a a passion there. There's like a desperation. I got to get to him. I have to. Uh, I think about demons leaving people, screeching going on, people being healed from sickness, repentance being taught. Where did it go? I know Doug's talking about it, but where is it? It's not in those other sermons I was talking about. I guarantee you that. Somewhere along the way, church changed. I remember when I was very young, uh, probably 20-something I was in this church, and I saw in my mind Jesus standing outside the door. And I thought that was kind of an odd thing to have a picture of. I didn't realize later that this church did not allow the gifts of the Holy Spirit to move there. I, I didn't understand that, but now I understand the religious spirit was welcome there. Just not the Holy Spirit, we need to read His word, we need to listen to His word, or we can watch his word. Uh, I have a hard time sometimes when I read that it I, I need to either hear it or see it, and so I have this um, audio version of the Bible, and it sounds like you're watching a movie and um you can hear like the donkeys in the background you can hear the sound of water when someone's being baptized Uh, you can hear paul writing letters to the church and it's all god's word it's not anything extra in there and i'll listen to it when i'm sleeping it just brings the bible to life for me it helps me remember it Uh, if you're interested in it it's called the word of promise and it's an audio Bible that you get on um, the Audible app. You can probably download it on quite a different, um, like your phone or your iPad. And it's called the Word of Promise. Uh, Injun Kavizel he plays Jesus. So there's different actors. Uh, another way to stoke the fire is to praise Him. I feel closest to God. During worship, when we're praising God, I feel like we're in unity together, and we all have one thing on our mind, and it's Him. Uh, worship is another way. Romans 12:1 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, This is your true and proper worship. So we have to put to death our selfish desires and surrender our lives to God. We need to repent often. We have to keep our hearts clean. Sin will put out that fire, and repentance is an important part of the Christian life. Minister to others. I find that my passion explodes for God when I see him move in the lives of other people. I have to stop thinking about me, 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 feed me, feed me, feed me, and go out and feed others. And when I see that, oh man, it just especially like with deliverance to see someone set free that has been carrying such a burden and addictions for so long, and then they're set free, there's nothing more exciting to me. Um, So join a ministry team if you want to do that. Don't let the enemy say, you can't do that. You don't know your Bible enough. You don't silence him. Do it anyway. Serve God with what he's given you now, and he'll give you more. You can volunteer in our children's ministry. There's always a need in children's ministry. You can lead the chapel at the mission. Uh, I know Renata does that and Mari um, and Cherie, and I've done that in the past. And it is amazing what happens um, when you just feed into other people, into their lives. So the last one is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And Matthew it says, John the Baptist said, Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. I had been attending a church for about 14 years, and I just, I felt like I wasn't growing spiritually. I couldn't really put my finger on it because everything was good. The teaching was great. The people were great. It was my church family. I loved them. I went on a mission trip with them. We were, I couldn't put my finger on it, but I I said, I can't be here anymore. And I made a really difficult decision because my family loved that church, but I said, I have to go. And so we started church hopping for several months, and um, I came to an encounter night at this church, and I went up front for prayer, and as soon as um, Sarah started praying for me, I knew what the problem was. I had been missing the Holy Spirit I had been doing the religious stuff, and somehow I I left him behind. But I felt his presence again, and I just remember saying, I missed you, I missed you, I missed you. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's a he. He's a person. The church I attended was not to blame for this. It was my fault. Uh, I did not steward that relationship with the Holy Spirit like I should have. If we want to keep that spiritual fire for God burning, we have to continually make that relationship a priority. If you're in a marriage, you don't have autopilot, right? It dies on autopilot. So you have to continually be pressing in pouring out it's not a 50 50 relationship it's 100 percent. it's all in
1: yeah.
0: relationships take work to flourish it's the same with your relationship with god it takes work and time going to church on eastern christmas is not going to keep that fire lit praying only when you need something from God does not keep the fire lit. How would you like if your kid all they did was say, "Give me, give me, give me," and they never spent time with you. They never said they loved you. At some point you're going to cut them off. Right? Hopefully. You have a huge part to play in your relationship with God and can't be one-sided. And scripture says to draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. If I could have everyone stand. Lord, I know what your desire is for the church, not just our church, but your church, your church body. You don't want them to be dry and spiritually dead. You want to have a relationship with each one of us. It's not enough to go to church. We have to be in communion with you, Lord. Your desire is to change hearts, to transform minds. Lord, I just pray that we can be the church. It starts here with us today, and it starts with us as individuals We want so bad in this, our America to be revived. But do we want to repent? Do we want to say, Our hands are unclean? Look what we've done. Look what we've done to your nation, Lord. Do we deserve mercy or do we deserve judgment? He calls us to repentance. To lay down every worthless idol that we have picked up. Everything that has come before Him. What have we placed before you, God? Tear it down. Tear down every idol, every addiction, every stronghold. Let us lay it at your feet, those worthless idols. Everything that the world says is good that's evil. Turn our hearts to you, Lord. Let our hearts be broken for the things that break your heart.
2: Amen. You guys heard this message. How can we not respond? If the Lord is laying on your heart, I want to know you more, come forward if you do not know the Holy Spirit come forward today's the day if you're struggling with addictions or habitual sin whatever that is today's the day today's the day to get rid of it to receive the Holy Spirit. I know that this church is a church that's on fire and we want to stoke that fire. Anybody? you just tell them you love them it's okay to use your voice right now just praise worship confess thank you so much for for pouring out for pouring out Lord Father God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you for building your people, for immersing us with your presence.
0: would you play those songs? So, God wants your heart. He doesn't want just part of you. He wants all of you.